Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on from Nashville and across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us. The NFL Combine is underway in Indianapolis. Tons of news and notes to hit. John McClain will join us in 20 minutes as well. Uh, plenty of coaches talking. And, hey, Derek Carr's even there making visits with teams. Going through the car wash. Um, seems a little desperate of Derek Carr to me. Uh, just well, very odd. That's not the He's not also the able workings. to get face-to-face with uh, some other teams other, instead of flying in and wasting yeah. two weeks. Look, I like Derek Carr. Great guy. Great teammate. Good quarterback. Not a great quarterback. Good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the sign that he's a good, not great quarterback. Just another one of those signs because the other top guys in the league aren't going to go on a car wash at the Combine with teams just to show up and glad hand, right? Yeah. So that's a little bit of the difference. Can you imagine if Carson Wentz did this now as a free agent? People are just shutting the door in his face. <laughs> He's trying to go team to team, and they're just, I'm sorry, Carson, we got to deal with some other business. And they slam the door in his face. Yes. Um, so uh, let's start with the Packers. Plenty of, of news there, and they're, or, or maybe not, based on uh, GM Brian Kutenkist, who, who says, hey, you know, we – We'd like for Aaron to let us know what he wants to do. And he spoke today to media about the process now that Aaron has emerged from the darkness retreat. Not yet. No, I mean, we've, you know, changed some texts and things like that, but we haven't had a chance to speak yet. Yeah, you know, we're going through our process as normal. Um, So obviously free agency is coming up here. That's an important uh, you know, part of what we're doing. So it'd be nice to have some answers before then. But uh, until we have any conversations, we're, we're still in a good spot. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously those com- our feelings haven't changed about Aaron. Uh, but we, we need to have some of those conversations about our team, where it's going, uh, where he's at, um, you know, before we go forward. And that ending right there, where he's at, I think that goes back to the report where they want him all in. And Chad, I, I mean... I don't think you're going to get him all in for beyond a year, even when they have signed him to extensions and giving him what he's wanting to be the highest-paid quarterback uh, for last year. He gets the 50 mil and or whatever. He's in for one more year every time he comes back to Green Bay. When Gunka says we're just going through our normal process, well, this has now become the normal process That's of not really knowing what Aaron Rodgers right. wants. And you could tell a little bit, I could at least, like sort of the frustration, but also just the genuine acknowledgement that this is where we are right now. It's every offseason. So this is our process. We go about personnel decisions. We look at draft picks. And we decide what we're going to do based on the understanding or lack thereof of whether or not our star quarterback is going to want to play or come back or be invested or whatever the case may be. Now, also, when you say we're going through the process, I don't know what that process entails without knowing whether or not your first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback is in the fray or not. So that seems like a pretty big building block of decisions you're going to make in the offseason is whether or not that's the case, if he's in or not. But I do buy that when Gutenka says, Hutton, hey, 
This is our process. We're left in the dark by Aaron Rodgers. We got to go about our business. We can't help it. He's not talking to us. We've barely spoken. He was in a darkness retreat. He hasn't told us anything. Right. But we hope that he says something before free agency starts. Chad, something that you mentioned during the playoffs and even just prior to the playoffs, the Bills defense and the fact that someone has to take the blame for why the Bills bowed out the way they did. Well, Leslie Frazier is falling on the sword. At least that's how I perceive this. Because he told the Bills he's taking a year off from coaching. He's taking a step back is the way he informed Brandon Bean, their general manager. And he, Brandon Bean said today that Frazier's taking a step back and that there's, the quote was, there's a lot of scrutiny on it. There's a lot of hours, a lot of time put in. Again, not speaking for Leslie, but sometimes you may just want to take a breath for a minute. Again, that would be for him to say, but he was very adamant that he's not going to retire. My two cents, just wanted to take a step back this season. That's Leslie Frazier, the now former general man, or former defensive coordinator, per the GM uh, in Buffalo. It does sound like he was basically given the option to step away or be fired, that they were going to go in a different direction. And he said, I'll just leave if you don't want me, and I'll take a year off and then get a job somewhere else. Because it's very weird wording. And there's no... I'm just going to step away. He admitted that there's no assurances from him that he's returning a year later to the Bills. Yeah. They're going to move on. See, I would just want to just say it what it was. I mean, that's the case. Like that, You know, that's fine if Leslie Frazier wants to say, well, I'm leaving under my own accord or phrase it however you want. But if, if Sean McDermott came to me and said, hey, it was atrocious what happened at the end of the year... And the way we lost that game to Cincinnati with, you know, this was the year to win the Super Bowl, we got to go in a different direction. Sort of what you said, Hutton, you're kind of falling on, you know, someone's going to fall on the sword for this. And it ended up being Leslie Frazier. I'd rather it just be what it was and you just say, yeah, they fired me. Or they wanted to go in a different direction. I honor that if that's what they want. And I'm now going to take a year off and get a job somewhere else because I'm not done coaching. Yeah, and maybe they just didn't want him calling plays because they're, yeah, they're, there's a, that's also the scenario of he kept his job, but, but they were taking away yeah, his responsibility. We're not going to fire you, but right, but Sean McDermott's now going to call de- the defense. And his response was, "I'll just leave." Could be, yeah, yeah could be. Um, it's just it's not your typical wording of a statement or, when someone leaves your organization. Or the time right? of year, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so something's up. I they, I don't think it's anything awful. I just think he was told to do something or that they wanted to go in a different direction. He was given the option that he could step away or that he'd be fired. Or, like you said, I think it's a likely scenario where we're taking some of your play-calling responsibility away. We're going to promote someone to be co-defensive coordinator, something along those lines, to where he said, no, I'm good. I've done this long enough. I'll step away for a year. You guys get after it. I'll find another job. And we don't know the timing of this. They, they've Brandon Bean said that he's had conversations, multiple plural conversations with Brandon uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott about how to handle filling that role, which could be McDermott calling plays. They also have two former defensive coordinators on their staff already with Eric Washington, who's their defensive line coach, and with uh, A.J. Holcomb, or excuse me, Al Holcomb, who is uh, the defensive assistant uh, as a, a senior member of their staff. Both have called plays in the past. Of course, McDermott is known for that. And now... With Leslie Frazier stepping aside, the longest tenured NFL defensive coordinators, Lou Anarumo and Steve Spagnolo. 
Those two were both hired in 2019. Wow. Those are the longest tenured defensive coordinators in the league currently. That's crazy. It's amazing what these great quarterbacks and offenses have done to that profession. It's cost a lot of people their jobs yeah. quickly, right? There's a ton of turnover with that. We've seen you know, defensive guys also get promotions to head coaches, mm-hmm. which has been a part of this too, but that, that is nuts to think about. You've got, what, three years, really, of guys that's the longest tenure in the league. Crazy. We will uh, hit some other NFL headlines in about 10 minutes with John McClain. Chad, Nate Oates has talked again, and he has commented on the, the warm-up and player announcement prior to tip-off against Arkansas on Saturday where they had the pat down. Here's Nate Oates' response from today. That situation's on me. We addressed as a team. As soon as I brought it up to them, they immediately understood how it could be interpreted, and we all felt awful about it. They explained to me that it's like when TSA checks you before you get on a plane, and now Brandon's cleared for takeoff. We, as the adults in the room, should have been more sensitive to how it could have been interpreted. And I, I dropped the ball. That's, that's it. I dropped the ball on it. We've addressed it. I can assure you it won't happen again. Every time the adults in the room comment, they're making excuses for Brandon Miller for the last week. That's what I take away from that. I, I just I, I have a hard time believing that the team is that blind to all this. It's like it didn't happen. It's like it's just gone away. That's and how look, they've treated it. You know, if, like, if, if, you're, if you're someone that was asleep in your dorm the night the young mother was murdered, then, you know, maybe it doesn't feel real to you. You just read the news stories and know what your coach has said about it and all that. Brandon Miller was there. I mean, Brandon Miller was a part of it. He, he drove the car that had the weapon in it that shot the young mother. I mean, he fled the scene when the murder happened. It's just odd to me that you don't think for a second – you know, maybe a TSA pat-down for weapons and other items, is it, maybe that's not the best pregame ritual to go through when this has been going on for a month and a half now since the crime happened. I mean, the, the, I, I just don't buy that they're that stupid. Well, they're maybe not. they are. They're not. But Brandon Miller put this on his Twitter account as the header, at the heading, as the, as the image up I mean, top. are they going to say that's just coincidence also? Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll find an excuse for him. Here's the other thing about what's, what's going on right now, which, which infuriates me even more, is that you've got Alabama's SID telling all the media after games, hey, we're just going to talk about the game, guys. Only questions about the game. Trying to be a little dictator mm-hmm. on what the coverage is going to be like, right? That bothers me. The other thing is now we've entered a cycle where Nate Oates is only discussing or opening a press conference with something that he can explain. You can explain that, right? You can explain that, hey, I didn't really know about this. It's a TSA pat down. Bama fans all weekend were telling me it's an MMA thing that they do. It's not. He's saying it's TSA. You're cleared for flight now, right? It's basically what he's saying. Cleared for takeoff when he does that. Well, you can buy that or not, whatever. I'm sure when it started out, it may have been that thing, but you stop doing it You know when all this goes down. I think most reasonable people would say, just stop with that pregame ritual when all this horrific stuff happens, right? But Nate Oates can go into a press conference and say, hey, guys, you know, kind of the false, it's my fault, uh, it's all my fault, but 
here's what it was. It was a TSA thing that's been going on all year. Talk to him. It's not going to happen again. Now let's talk about our next game that's coming up. Because he can explain that. You know what Nate Oates can't explain? The decision not to discipline Brandon Miller at all. Yes. And he's not talking about it anymore. He's rolling over on his AD and saying Greg Byrne has talked about it in interviews. Uh, he's released a statement. I defer to his statement and what our AD has said. My statement defers to his statement. Yeah. I mean, there could be <laughs> – look, the way this thing is trending right now, something dumb will happen in the next Alabama game. Yes, which Someone's going to make Auburn. a gesture. Someone's going to say something in the crowd. Some, something's going to happen. And then Nate Oates is going to get up to his podium again, and he's going to open the press conference and say, guys, I want to start with the last incident that just happened, and I just want to say that's my fault. It's been handled. It won't happen again. <laughs> And this, this is, year, it won't happen again. This, this is year. what happened. Um, you know, it's something guys do normally, <laughs> but this is what we're going to kind of do with it. And uh, all right, now questions about our season finale of the regular season coming up this week. But they won't discuss the real issue because there's nothing they can say. He knows it. Greg Byrne knows it. Alabama, the university knows it. Alabama fans, deep down inside of their crimson heart, they know it. They yeah. know that there's nothing you can say other than the dude is an awesome basketball player and they are trying to protect his eligibility in playing, and that's why he's playing, because this miraculous season that could end with this team cutting down the nets in Houston at the Final Four rides on this one guy playing. If he doesn't play, we might get beat in the first or second round. If he's playing, we're winning a national title or we're getting this program to a Final Four that's the real explanation. And if this were you a team, sold your soul, you know you sold your soul to all this. There's nothing else to say. So they're trying to get people not to ask the questions. And they can't say anything other than, you know, let's talk about the TSA pat down. I can't explain that. That I can explain. These other decisions, can't explain it. But I can explain this TSA ritual. Yeah. And it took him a day to figure that out, you know. Because in the other presser, he was saying, "Yeah, I, I don't even watch it. I don't know. What, I don't know what it was. Apparently, it happens all season. I don't know." Yeah, it was. It was all the Alabama fans in my timeline saying it was an MMA thing they've done all year. And then apparently, he got the full story, and it's a TSA thing at the airport they've right. done all year. And if this were a a team, any team that had no chance of even com competing for a tournament bid, this would not be an issue either. Brandon Miller would be suspended. And look, we would have seen the punishment. Yes. And his explanation is, is believable, you know, I mean, because he puts the arms out and he kind of takes off after he does it. So that whole thing, it, I'm sure it's been going on all year. Mm -hmm. If people have seen it and they've done it and the team tells them that, but again, common sense, you just don't continue doing that. Right. After all well, this happens. And then post it. There needs to be some the change of behavior. Then post it after the game. That's right. the double down on that which has been, you know, the ice in the veins and all that. I'm sure he does that all the time. But when he's trash is coming at him from South Carolina fans, and he's pointing to well, the ones that were there, uh, pointing to ice in his veins when he hits the shot to take it to overtime and then wins the game in overtime, um, and then follows it up with this, this in the same week that we've seen Alabama speak on it and then say they knew about details about the text and then say they didn't until the testimony – Crazy saga. Well, look, if you... If you're, you're right, it continues tomorrow. If you're one of these Alabama fans who's uh, tweeting out kick or Hutton or me or Clay or anyone saying, just shut up about it already. It's been a week. I got that from one person. <laughs> it's been a whole week since the People Magazine or USA Today interview came out with the victim's parents or the victim's dad. 
about how upset he is to watch Brandon Miller play these games. Would you shut up about it? It's been a one whole week since this happened. I'm thinking, give me a break. You want the story to end? Lose. Uh, that's the easy way for the story to go out of the national consciousness, at least for now. They're not going to lose anytime soon because they're a great team. They're going to keep winning, and everyone is going to keep talking about this as they get closer and closer to a Final Four or a national title. Now, here's my prediction. When they lose Hutton and when Brandon Miller immediately declares for the NBA draft and he's gone, mm-hmm. maybe we get a little more clarification from Alabama on some things. Maybe they come out and they're more transparent now that he's no longer with the program and they say they're not going to roll over on him but say, hey, you know, this was unprecedented. There are plenty of things we should have done differently here. They're not going to do that now because they're dug in the sand. I don't expect that. But maybe that happens when he's no longer in the program. I, I don't think that happens unless the head coach wants it to happen. No different than football. Because it clearly, Nate wants him to play. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, I, I think that he's calling most of the shots here. I do think that, you know, he's... Nate Oates doesn't strike me as a guy who is willfully apologizing for anything. So I do think that at least the AD or someone is getting in his ear and saying you got to address the pat-down. you got to address this after that game. Because he was very quick well, to come you, out and say, if you didn't know what, it's unacceptable, it's inappropriate, it's not going to happen again. And if you didn't know what was happening or what was inappropriate based on what has transpired since January 15th, now, if you come back with another thing that happens, and you say, I, I've never seen that before, but apparently it's been going on all year, you can't use that again. It's time to just get a clue and figure out what it's going to look like and come across as before it happens, which this has been the whole week of statements and non-statements. And again, the story's not changing and not going away. And no one's denying the story. And my narrative on it, the narrative of really pretty much almost everyone that I've watched or heard from that's not either an Alabama media member, fan, or Jay Billis, they all have kind of the same take. Something should have been done. You know, whether it been a suspension or, uh, you know, temporary suspension when you found this out, something other than nothing happening to Brandon Miller in this. We head to Indianapolis when we return. John McClain will join us for his weekly chat. We'll dive into details of what's happened in Indy with tons of news and info from NFL organizations. We'll also get details on the Daniel Snyder back and forth with the league and the potential sale of the commanders. And one of the guys who's bidding on the team is in John's backyard in Houston. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. 
So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We head to Indianapolis, site of the NFL Combine. Outkick 360 rolls on with John McClain of gallerysports.com. Always busy when uh, really the first two days of the Combine, John, from a news perspective this time of year because the coaches and GMs who are there, they're talking to the media and there are headlines galore, both in Indy and across the league with Dan Snyder. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. That's great. You you can't come to the combine and have a bad time if you like the NFL, you like the draft. And uh, you have today, the first day, you have coaches and general managers. Tomorrow you have the rest of the coaches and GMs. And then they start with the players. They start with edge rushers like Will Anderson Jr. and interior linemen like Jalen Carter, who are the two highest-rated prospects in the draft. Anderson, I believe, is going to work out. I think Carter's not waiting for Georgia's pro day. Bryce Young is the only top quarterback not going to throw. He's waiting for Alabama's pro day. And all anybody cares about Bryce Young, they don't need him to throw. They've seen him throw for two years. They want to know what he weighs, and they want to know how tall he is. John, I got to ask, what's it like, you know, now that you're covering all sports for gallery sports, going from spring training and that weather to going to Indianapolis, which while we love the combine and every year we go, I don't think I've ever seen the sun peek through a cloud in (laughs) Indy during this week in in February in Indianapolis. Dad, like you ought to be here because sun's shining bright. When I went in, when I walked down the street this morning, it was like 38 or 40 and I had my jacket on and when I came out this afternoon to come back to my room I was sweating like crazy because the weather's so nice people are riding bikes and shorts and t-shirts these locals are going crazy and uh, I've never I've been coming here since the first one in 87 and I can say at this time of year I've never seen a day like this and I think there's only one day that we could get even what I consider cold weather and I, I love to visit snow, and I usually don't have that chance, and I wait till I get to Indy because I've been here when it's 10 degrees and snowing like crazy, but we're not getting any snow this week, and I feel happy for the locals because they are excited to be able to get outdoors. John McClain with us. John, you mentioned Bryce Young, and all people care about is uh, the, the NFL people I'm talking about care about the official height. What's too small for Bryce Young? What are we talking here? What is it? What keeps him from being the top quarterback selected? Jonathan, and he may be the t- top quarterback selected. The Bears may trade the top pick to the Texans or the Colts. And then again, C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, after all the scouting process is over, and Will Levis impresses everybody in his shorts and yep. T-shirts and with his personality. I can't imagine He would be the first overall pick. But Bryce Young, and this is weird to say, you know, Kyler Murray, there was a big question. And he he got to eat for a month, and he got up to 207, and he was almost 5'10", more like 5'9", 
and a half. But because he had such great speed and quickness, people didn't worry about him as much because he's muscular, has a big butt. But as you guys know, Wright's young is almost frail looking. And I see a lot of pictures on the internet one last week, and it wasn't fair. Somebody took a picture with him standing between two women who were obviously wearing heels, and he looked like their child. And he's just thin. So they say he's been working with a nutritionist. Zay Flowers, the receiver from Boston College, gained 13 pounds of muscle since the end of the season. Now, we don't know if Bryce Young's weight was accurate at Alabama. They said six foot 194. He could have been 184. But if he's 194, it'd be easier to get up in the 25 to 210 range. But if he's 510 and people are going to be happy, if he's 511, they'll be ecstatic. Nobody expects him to be six foot. Remember when Kyler Murray grew his hair out and he was hoping that would help him add an inch or two and they kept pushing the thing yes. down? And uh, that doesn't work. You know, it's weird. In the NBA, you know, in the NFL, players shrink at the combine. In the NBA, they grow. And I checked on that. I said, why is it that a guy at Baylor is listed 6'6 six, six, and then 6'8 six, when he gets to the NBA? They measure them in tennis shoes. And I started thinking about that. That's pretty smart because they don't play barefooted. So why didn't the NFL measure them in cleats? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of agents and players who would be happy. And, you know, Bryce Young would love to be able to step up and uh, and get measured in cleats. It's, isn't it amazing that one inch and a few five pounds could make a difference? The guy can play. He had one injury, and that was an arm injury when it was awkward, had nothing to do with him taking a blow. And people are not worried about him throwing. He knows how to throw. And if he were 6'2 or 3, he'd be looked at like Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck is a generational talent. Joe Shane, the GM of the of the New York Giants, said he is he remains cautiously optimistic that they are going to get Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones back in the mix. Um, of the two, who do you think the priority is? If Daniel Jones is asking for forty five million, I can't. You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. You know, you can ask for a lot of things in life. It doesn't mean you're going to get them. He's not worth 45. Now, if he settled for, say, 30 to 35 after he had one good year, uh, that would be good. It'd be better to franchise a running back because running backs are cheaper. They don't have the longevity. So if they're going to lose one, I would say they're going to lose Barkley because you can get running backs. And uh, but they've got to keep Daniel Jones. But, man, if he insists, he's going to get franchised to make 37. So when and Brian Gutenkiss is talking about Aaron Rodgers saying, you know, this is just part of our process where they're awaiting word from him and, and not really texting, John, it really is kind of part of the process at this point of just sitting around and waiting to see what he wants to do next. But what kind of bind does that put the Packers in, or do you think they've already mentally moved on in their preparations of what they're going to do next? Chad, at least they got the quarterback. If they did not have the quarterback, and you got free agency coming up, and then the draft, they'd be worried about it. But they knew who the quarterback's going to be. And I'm guessing when he's gone, it'll be a relief when he's out of there. Kind of like when Russell Wilson left Seattle, they're like, Phew. And I think it'll be that way with them. 
And I was talking to a friend of mine who's worked with the Jets for 22 years. And I said, I see the media and the fans are trying to, to be such an influence, puts pressure on the Jets to get Aaron Rodgers, giving up two ones and paying him $58.3 million and a huge cap figure. And then if it doesn't work, you know, you're hamstrung. But do you go for the gold? I was talking to a friend with the Buccaneers. I said, was it worth winning the Super Bowl and then being so bad? Absolutely. Friend with the Rams? Absolutely. Think of the teams, including the Titans in Texas. For a Super Bowl, they'd be happy to be bad for 10 years. And uh, I'm guessing that the Packers are ready to move on from him, but they've got to handle him with kid gloves. And the other thing is, when they, when they trade him, they're still going to sell every seat. You know, their most popular franchise in the NFL, nobody's going to cancel season tickets because Aaron Rodgers is no longer the quarterback. They've had a great run with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, but they've only won two Super Bowls out of all that time to have two of the greatest quarterbacks ever. John, I think the Titans could be one of the wild card teams, biggest wild card maybe, of the quarterback movement this offseason because uh, Rand Carthon – and Vrabel are speaking today, so this is circulating now through all the, the national outlets about the quarterback position. Again, he's been linked to, Tannehill's been linked to the Jets, for instance, in reports. Rand Carthon, in a question that was specifically about, is Tannehill the quarterback for 2023? His response was, Ryan is under contract, and I just want to speak freely for a moment. I know everybody wants to make a big deal out of the quarterback position or whether he'll be here or not. But you guys have to accept the fact that Ryan is under contract for us right now. He is a Titan, and he will be a Titan. But that's also under the assumption, I think, John, that he restructures the deal in order to help the cap. And this is also a contract now for Tannehill where they can save $18 million against the cap by either trading or releasing him. I, I've also heard this organization say they weren't trading A.J. Brown, and then they did. So I, I think they're a wild card for a quarterback move. Titans have a talent issue and they got a cap issue. And boy, if Tannehill was playing great or even really, really well, it'd be easier to stomach. But if they do trade him, and if you're the Jets, do you think he's the answer? I know. I'd rather have Derek Carr than Ryan Tannehill. And then what are the Titans going to do if they tra do trade him, go after Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they really, uh, is Garoppolo an improvement over well, Tannehill? When you got to have four new offensive linemen, I feel yeah. bad for the quarterback that's starting I agree. behind that offensive I, line. And Tannehill wasn't the problem last year. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. He had his big issues the year prior. But they know they've got a short-term solution there. I think even with Tannehill back, they could be a factor in the draft. Really? You think they may take a quarterback? I know they don't have a backup right now in Malik Willis. I mean, I... No, they don't... They, I, I, everybody I've talked to they, says you don't see a team that could be putting four new starters in offensive line. Chiefs, I think, did three after the last Super Bowl loss to New England because they just totally changed up front. And, man, you can take one in the first round, a tackle, and you can take one later, and then you can get one in free agency, like when they got Ben Jones from the Texans. But – Man, if they want a quarterback, and Rand Cawthorn comes from an organization where they spent a fortune to get Trey Lance, he got hurt, 
They didn't spend squat to get Brock Purdy, and he was surprised. And then Garoppolo. So they've invested in a trade with Garoppolo, a new contract, a big-time trade to get Trey Lance, and then Mr. Eleven. So their quarterbacks come from different spots, and I'm sure that that's a possibility there. But uh, Tannehill, if you don't have a line and you don't have A.J. Brown, that A.J. Brown deal, I talked to you guys about this, the Texans, and I don't need to talk to the Jaguars and Colts to know this, but the Texans were like just shocked he was traded and excited that he was traded because he burned them so bad. John, Dan Snyder's burning the NFL. What's go? What do you make of the latest reports that he wants to indemnify himself with the league, so that the league then financially reimburses him for any legal action uh, that comes his way? And what? Where are we headed, knowing that Jerry Jones is reportedly negotiating this with Dan Snyder? There are so many conflicting reports from legitimate news organizations about Snyder, Jeff Bezos, and the possible sale of the commanders. And I don't know who to believe. You know, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Snyder hates the Washington Post. There's talk that he won't consider Bezos as the owner. And then there's a report that he's leaking that because he wants Bezos to pay more money. Over $7 billion, nobody's doing it. There's a report, Tillman Fertitta from Houston, who owns the Rockets, that he's offered $5.5 billion. So, the, the league wants him out. You know, he is a blackout in the NFL. Any owner that buys that team, I wish the three of us had the money. We would be we would be so big. In D, we'd be like Abraham Lincoln in D.C. They build statues to us because they, we took over for Dan Snyder. And anybody that comes in as a new owner – they're going to give them that stadium down next to RFK Stadium where the Snyder wants to go. The stadium is a dump. He's let it become a dump, and they got a pretty good team. So he's pretty stupid if he doesn't do it. It would be ego. And Jerry Jones is close to Snyder. I don't know why. Maybe he can just get through to him. So they're letting Jerry try to negotiate it. The bottom line is Snyder's going to come out at least $5 billion ahead of where he was when he bought that franchise. Do you guys know who they approached to try to get that, to buy that franchise from Jack Kent Cook? Uh, before Snyder got it, Bob McNair. Really? Bob McNair had let the NFL know they had vetted him, seen his finances. They asked him, would you be interested in Jacksonville? No, would you be interested in Miami? Maybe. And he looked into Miami, but he didn't want the state. He wanted the stadium and the team. And he told me the only place he would have considered besides Houston was Washington because he spent a lot of time up there because of politics. And I was thinking, man, if they'd got Bobby there instead of Dan Snyder, but it's time for him to go. What is it like to live like Snyder when everybody hates you? Uh. I mean, I guess okay if you're going to sell your team for five point five billion or whatever the estimated cost is. You know, it's not the worst existence. Uh, sell around the world with your <laughs> yacht and your IMAX. Yeah, and you don't give a you know what about people think about you. I mean, it is it is funny even with the Bezos thing about the concept of winning and losing with these guys that losing to Daniel Snyder is having Jeff Bezos pay him five point seven bill for his team, but the fact that the guy he hates. 
that covered him negatively gets to have his team as a loss for it, it's different stakes uh, with these guys, no doubt about it. Different stakes for a guy like Tillman Fertitta, also, John, uh, who is a billionaire that's in talks with, with the commanders about owning this team. What is his reputation like in Houston? And what do you think about the possibility of him owning an NFL team? I just thought of something first. What if Snyder said to Bezos, he says, Look, I'll sell you Washington, but I want to own the Washington Post. <laughs> Then See, John, you think everybody. You think like a billionaire, John. That's why we love you. That's how the, <laughs> a billionaire would operate. Is let's do a trade. I'll give you, you know, a bunch of millions off or a billion off, but now I get to own your newspaper now. As part wouldn't of that be something? That would oh be amazing. my goodness! You'd see a mass exodus from the Washington Post before he could fire him. Tillman Fertitta is very respected in Houston. His restaurant empire began there. Uh, he owns restaurants all over the country. He's got hotels in Vegas and Louisiana. He he told a story one time about meeting with his family and said, I think I'm going to buy the Rockets. And they're like, okay. And he said, that'd be great. Thanks, Dad. We we're looking forward to it. But it's going to cost me $2.1 billion. Whoa, now wait a minute. And uh, now he's turned that franchise into being worth more. And uh, I know he wants to own an NFL team. I don't, all I want from Tillman Fertitta is to bring the NHL to Houston. But it's his building. And the problem is, if the NHL franchise was like the Predators and consistently good, and the Rockets right now are in their third year being the worst team in the league, people would be going to see the NHL franchise. So he's interested in the NFL instead. And I don't know if he'll end up getting it, but the fact that he's interested, you can imagine what a big deal that is in Houston. John McClain covering the Combine this week for gallerysports.com, and you can check out the site for more columns there, more great coverage. Follow him on social at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, uh, we're jealous. Be uh, Have fun in Indy and uh, have some cocktail sauce for us at Elmo's. I'll be down there in a couple of days. By the way, they've changed it around. They now have all the interviews where the uh, bench press was, and Radio Rose got bigger, and they need more space for that. And it's not nearly as long a walk to get to the entrance as it used to be. You guys are missed. I missed last year because I was planning to retire. Now I'm living the life. I can In a couple of weeks, I'll be coming to you from Vegas, yep. whereas my boss, Mattress Mac, who met a fortune on the University of Houston, win a national championship. I said, you know what? What if I go to Vegas and stay at Caesars, which is his favorite place, and then I write about the University of Houston playing in the first two rounds from a Vegas standpoint? He goes, great idea. Can't Who wait. doesn't love a boss like that? Absolutely. Smart man, John. <laughs> Smart man. And we're jealous that you're there the only time the weather's good in India. Yeah. And we didn't get to see it this time. I'll send you a picture, Please Chad, do. Like, let you see that sunshine. Please do, John. Have Thank a, you. Have a great day, John. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it as always. Again, check out John's work, gallerysports.com. You can also check out right now at Outkick the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. Special guest this week is with Lenny Dykstra. Nails. And it's available every Tuesday and Friday on the site. The, the new show with Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. Just baseball and great insights on the game now and stories from the past with great guests like Lenny Dykstra. Here's Kurt and Dykstra discussing John Smoltz. 
I, I never talked to you guys or asked you guys this, but I always felt like against the Braves, the only guy you were concerned about facing in October was Schmoltz. Glavin, no. Maddox, no. Avery, no. But Smoltz was the power guy, and he yeah, could make yeah. you swing and miss. Yeah, so Smoltz, so sorry about Smoltz, you brought him up. Um, one of my favorite moments is, um, so so we're playing in the bat. Smoltz is throwing um, a no-hitter okay, into the ninth. Not a perfect game, okay, because he walked me once. Okay, okay, A no-hitter into the ninth. So, no hitter. That's a big deal for a pitcher, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no so Smoltz, okay. Yeah, so it's at the bottom of the ninth, they're up six, six, nothing. Okay. And I'm up third. Okay. So first two guys, I mean, he just mows them down like redheaded stepchildren. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Go to your room. Go to your room. So, so, so now I'm up. Now remember, he's one out away from a no hitter. And he knows I'm the only guy that could hurt him, okay? <laughs> and so so I know he's going to snap a hook off the first pitch, okay? Greg Olson's catching, okay? And then he snaps off a hook. There's a, just a nose, a toe, oh, snap. Filthy and slider. Was, I mean, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the hear a strike and call the ball. I oh, call the ball. So I said, you know what? He's going to try to sneak some cheese in here. Inner half, watch. He's feeling good. He did, dude. And he tried, and I had a glass ball, like a laser, <laughs> off the light. It isn't off the, off the glass. Got the second base, and he was walking around the mountain kind of pounding. I took my shoe out, and I threw it at him. I said, you dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that, because, dude, that's the feeding for a pitcher, right? Yep. One out away from an old hitter. That's how I lost mine. I lost mine yeah, with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Oh, did you really? Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. The only pitch, I shook off Veritech the entire game. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Got headlines coming up, which will include from the NFL Combine and more, plus Clemson and Florida State. They want uneven revenue splits in the ACC. Can't really blame them based on how some of the other, the other members of the ACC have been treating all the sports, for that matter. Um, they're not the only two, though, that deserve it. Yeah, they're well, saying, you know, we're pulling more weight than Boston College yeah. over here, so we need to get more money. Brett McMurphy will join us as well coming up in about 30 minutes, 35 minutes from now. Chad, Ric Flair, he's making, he's made a ton of money uh, off his career, but on Cameo, these one-minute videos, he's made $700,000 roughly is what he told our, our friend Conrad Thompson, his son-in-law, on... Uh, to be the man podcast last week, seven hundred grand is roughly what he would estimate off of the last year and a half since he joined the site. Yeah, he he showed the phone and it was like six hundred sixty nine thousand to be exact, 
but $500 for a personal message. Uh, it, there's, you, get, you pay more for a business. I want to say it's like 5000 for a business message. And then 1500 I think, was the price yeah. for a, uh, a video chat. Yeah, you we're, can live you know, like video FaceTime. chat. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, how many bachelor parties in America have just decided, guys, let's all throw in 50 bucks, there's 10 of us, yeah, and, and let's get a message from Ric Flair to The Bachelor, or, you know, those a little bit more cash, say, let's throw in 1500 and call yeah. the dude on FaceTime right now, and he can join us as we take a shot to honor The Bachelor. I mean, that's this is a brilliant business plan for a guy like Ric Flair, who's the king of the promo. He can cut a promo with the best of them, and to have that ability to do that for anyone at any time is is awesome. I, I, I start thinking, why have we not done this before? Well, I mean, the money that people are pulling. I'm saying so, paying Ric Flair to do oh, this. Oh, well, not us, personally. I'm saying I, yeah. I want to pay Ric Flair to cut a promo so, for us. Lindsay Lohan makes $17,000 a week off of Cameo. All estimated. Carol Baskin, $120,000 a week. <laughs> Does she just say that she now, killed her I don't her know if that's now. That that was probably in the heyday of Can you put Tiger that King. you uh, to Carol Baskin to put on the message that you killed your husband and then have her say it into the camera? That's just your message. She's like that'll be 100k just for that that one message. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you got it's others, amazing. Others who are charging $1,000, like Floyd Mayweather, charges $1,000. Well, out, Outkick's own uh, Dan Dockich was on Cameo because back in the day when we were going back and forth one and two, we had him cut a video telling, uh, or some one of our listeners paid for it, for him to cut a video talking trash to us from his lake house. Oh, that's right. About midday 180. Yeah. Before you know, we were in the same company with Dan. Yeah, this and happened. He's, yeah, and he's uh, now his fee was not 500 bucks. I want to say it cost my buddy 50 or 100 dollars okay. well. for Dan to do it. But you know, look, Dan's not so, Ric Flair. None of us are Ric Flair. Like I, I feel like Flair's is honestly reasonably reasonably charged because you're right you get people to pull in money and they're going to get flares well he'll and he'll do anything you know well there's like i mean I, i've looked at the the clientele list before i think like brad pitt is on there there's some huge a-list celebrities but it's like 10 grand to get them to do anything on that and it's like a 30 second message they might send you a happy birthday <laughs> right and so, it doesn't matter what how they do it they can be so well, if, and if you're them, you go way high with the price to do anything. So like if someone really wants to pay me this much money for nothing, I'll do, I'll do it. it. Everyone yeah. has a price. But that's it. Yeah. But it's got to be this, this much. Top headlines next, including the Falcons and a potential leak. That's next.